you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. You know, um, this week we're um, talking about wisdom for your pride. And I want to tell you what a horrible week I've had. It's just been like a hard-fought week to to get to this point. And I've just been thinking about it, you know. And as I look back on it, it was warfare. Because the devil doesn't want me to preach about pride. Uh, because we're getting down to his sin. I mean, we're getting down to it. And so it's, it, it, you know, it, I've been, you know, he said have a humble heart. He prayed for me to have a humble heart. Man, I'm there. I mean, it, I got humiliated this week. It's like, you shouldn't even be doing this. What are you doing? You know, those messages over and over and over. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching on pride. I'm reading all these verses about pride. And I'm like, I'm prideful. Okay, so, so uh, here we go. All right. Every year, it seems like we hear more and more people that come down with that ugly disease, cancer. You know, it just seems like every year we hear about it. Uh, my mom and dad both have had cancer. Lori's parents both have had cancer. And during that, and during that fight, we just lost a good friend this past spring to pancreatic cancer. And I'm really not looking forward to the next text or phone call that I get that says somebody has, you know, the C word. I hate the C word. Uh, but as much as we hear about it, cancer is not the leading cause of death in our country. That is actually heart disease. And that's kind of amazing. I thought that was kind of amazing to me. Pastor Shane knew that all along. I asked him and he got, he got it right. I would have said cancer. Uh, cancer second. You know, because I thought, you know, we, we've grown up and what they told us our entire lives. Well, you need to eat a healthy diet. You know, you need to watch your trans fats, your cholesterol. You need to exercise every day. Because, you know, it's good for your heart. And still... One out of every four Americans are going to die of a heart problem, some kind of heart problem. But because I love you so much, I've got a video to show you to, you know, to talk about heart disease. So here, here, listen to this. Okay, so I don't know if that's going to change what you order for lunch today, but at least take a walk after you eat. Give your heart a fighting chance. Today we're going to chase some wisdom for one of the deadliest spiritual diseases when it comes to our spiritual life. And that is not the C word, but the P word. Another word we don't like to hear, that, that pride. So King Solomon has got some wisdom for us to help help us when it comes to this deadly spiritual disease. So let's pray right now and ask the Lord to help us. Receive, Father, we're thankful today to be here, thankful to sit under your word and hear from the one, one of the wisest men that ever lived about this big problem in our life called pride. Um, and Lord, we just want to pray that you'd soften our hearts uh, to hear it, that you'd help us to see uh, this pride in our lives and help us to know how to respond to it as we uh, hear you and feel you working in our, in our hearts and lives today. I do thank you for walking with me through this week, Lord, and uh, thank you for your faithfulness to be able to stand here and share uh, your good word. Um, Surely I do not uh, deserve to be here, Um, so I just thank you for your grace and mercy and pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, 
O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so anytime you go to the doctor, you always want to go there and leave with a good diagnosis of what is ailing you. And so Solomon, he's got some proverbs that are going to help us diagnose the disease of pride. So what actually is it? Well, the first thing we're going to learn is that pride resides in your heart. Alright, so it is a heart problem too. Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. And so that tells us where pride makes its home in our hearts. It also tells us how serious of a problem it is in, in our lives. Um, so pride is, is right there lurking in our hearts. Now what you're going to hear from the fortune cookie of the world's wisdom is you'll hear things like, you know, uh, trust yourself, believe in yourself, you are enough, you know, uh, follow your heart. You're going to hear things like that and they sound good, and they are helpful to some degree in your life. But what happens with that is they swell the pride in our hearts. Because that's where pride resides. And the problem with that is pride offends God. I mean, that verse said it makes us an abomination to the Lord. In other translations, it says the Lord detests the proud. In that same verse. So we think about, you know, we're always thinking about God is love. The Bible says God is love. He loves people. And that's true. He loves people all the time. No exception. Doesn't matter what they're doing. Uh, but there's sometimes when he's not feeling the love. All right? Uh, you know, it's like he loves us, but he doesn't like us very much at the time. And that's, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing that happens when you're a parent. You know, with one of your kids. I mean, you love your kids. You love them all the time, but you just don't like them very much sometimes. You know, when they're acting up, when they're saying things they shouldn't be saying, you said, don't do that, and they go do it. You know, they're, they're, they're acting like a chip off the old block, but you don't want to admit it. So, you know, it's like you, you get, you know, I don't like you very much, but we always love them. And in fact, when you love your kids when you don't like them, that's proof that you've got some genuine love going on for them. Well, it's the same idea, same idea with God. God loves us like that, but when pride rules in our hearts, He detests it. He detests it. Pride is the idea that rises in your heart against God. C.S. Lewis, he said this, that pride, he called it the complete anti-God state of mind. The complete anti-God state of mind. C.S. Lewis. Wow. Now, here's the thing. This sin of pride gets right down to the root of a lot of sin. And there's, there's a reason for that. Pride is the sin that made Satan, Satan. I mean, we're getting right down to the, to the nitty-gritty. See, Ezekiel 28, 12-15, it describes where Satan came from. Okay? And it, God made him. And he made him this model of perfection. Full of wisdom. He was exquisite in beauty. He was, it says in those verses, he was in the garden of God. He was in Eden. And he was decked out in all these fine jewels. And that's where Satan came from. Now, in verses 14 and 15, it says this, I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. Satan was the top angel. There was nobody higher than him. Now, you had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. I mean, imagine that. 
You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. The evil that was found in him was pride. And that gets described for us in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Uh, it says, For you said to yourself, this is the words that Satan said to himself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high God. That is the pride that we're talking about. That is the pride that offends God. That's the same pride that is found in us. And it makes us detestable to God as our hearts are ruled by that pride. Pride offends God. Pride believes in self. Pride believes in self. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Proverbs 16.2, All the ways of a man are pure, in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. And so you think about that. All, uh, there is a way that seems right to a man. Well, you know, on our own, you know, we're always choosing ways. We, we make choices all day long, you know, of the right way to go, the right, right thing to say. And every time we make a choice, it's the right choice. And on our own, we, we, this is the way to go. And then when we, when we go that way, and it turns out to be the wrong way, we tell people it's still the right way because I chose it. Because all our ways seem right to us. So, you know, that car that I bought last week, that is the best car you can buy. The deal that I made to get that car was the best deal in the history of mankind that has ever been made. Uh, yeah, I know the GPS says I should go this way, but this way those cars aren't moving anyway. And I know this way is quicker, and you can see it's quicker because those cars are moving, so I'm going to go this way even though the GPS says to go that way. I know that award is going to be mine. I know I'm going to get Employee of the Month because I am the best around here. We say, oh, you shouldn't have. But we think it's about time somebody noticed. That's kind of what's going on. There was this uh, CEO of Fortune 500 company, and he pulled into a gas station uh, with his wife, fill up his car. So he pumps the gas, and he goes inside and pays the attendant for the, you know, for the gas. And he comes out, and he sees his wife talking to one of the service station employees. And she's having a great conversation with this guy. And it turns out she knew him. And back, back in high school, before she met her eventual husband, she dated this guy. So they get in the car, and they take off, CEO and the wife, and it's kind of silent for a few minutes, and, and they're, they're driving down the street, and, and he's feeling pretty good about himself. And he said, you know, I, I bet I know what you're thinking. I bet you're thinking you're glad you married me, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and not him, the service station attendant. And she said, no, that's, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if I'd have married him, he'd have been the CEO of Fortune 500 company, and you'd be the service station attendant. <laughs> Because pride believes in self. Self knows best. Self deserves the best. Self doesn't need help. Self is always right. All because pride believes in self. Pride leads to disaster. 
Pride leads to disaster. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now that might be one of the best known proverbs, uh, you know, in the world because we, we, uh, we say that to people when we hear them talking about themselves or we see them, you know, pride come into life. We'll go, whoa, 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 be careful there now. You know, pride comes before a fall. But the best thing we can do with that proverb is warn ourselves with it. That pride comes before a fall. You know, when I was a senior in high school, I was a pretty decent swimmer. I went to Warren Central High School, big high school. And I was on the swim team, loved swimming, that was my life. And my senior year in high school, I was shooting for the 50 freestyle school record. And uh, it was owned at the time by a, a swimmer named Jay McAtee, who had gone on to swim in college. And uh, one time during our Christmas break, he showed up to practice with us. And so he, he is swimming, I'm swimming in the lane, and he's swimming in this other lane right here next to me. And I'm swimming along, and I'm like all fired up, and I'm like, you know what, I think it's a good idea. He knows I'm going to break his school record. So in the middle of practice, I stopped. In the middle of the pool, I reached over, and I grabbed his arm, and I stopped him. And I said, it's going down. It's mine. And then I kept on swimming. So, you know, all year long, I'm trying to get this school record. It's 21.92 seconds. I was going to be the fastest swimmer in Warren Central's history. And I couldn't get it all year long. And then we get to my last swim meet of my career. My, the state swim meet. Biggest swim meet of my life. And um, I had a cold. I went to the swim meet with a 103 degree fever. And so I got on the starting blocks for the 50 freestyle and I'm shivering, feeling no pain. And I dove in and I swam the fastest 50 freestyle of my entire life to this date. And it was 21.93 seconds. I missed the school record by a hundredth of a second, people. I mean, I don't know how far that is, Bob, but that's not very far. (laughs) So every time I hear that proverb, I remember 17-year-old me stopping that college swimmer and saying, just keep on swimming. Just keep on swimming. These falls that we take in our life, they hurt. And you know what? They're meant... To hurt because they're meant to teach us something about humility. But we have a hard time learning the lesson. And so we fall and fall again. And as we continue to fall, bigger things happen to us. Pride ends up destroying life. It ends up destroying it. During a 1923 training exercise, there was a naval destroyer called the USS Delphi. And it was leading a flotilla of seven ships on a training exercise along the California coast. The Delphi was captained by Lieutenant Commander Donald T. Hunter. He was an experienced navigator and he was an instructor at the Naval Academy. So they're on this training mission and without warning, all of a sudden, this thick blanket of fog descended on all seven ships. And Hunter described it as like, it was like pea soup. He couldn't tell. He couldn't tell where they were going. So he couldn't figure out where they were. He was doing all his calculations, you know, and um, contrary to that, 
what his calculations were telling him, their ship was actually headed straight for what they called Devil's Jaw along the California coastline. So he, he did not uh, change course. He, he was known for his decisiveness. He was, he was called and he, had, he, he was known for having this magic infallibility to guide his ship. And so he pressed on. Well, at 20, going 20 knots, his ship ran into the California coast and the sheer rocks that were at Devil's Jaw and split it in two. And one by one, all of the seven ships following him did the same thing. Twenty-two men lost their lives. Uh, all seven ships were lost. And today it stands as one of the worst peacetime naval disasters in the history of our country because pride destroys life. When pride rules in your heart, you know, I think it is not uncommon to hear about shipwrecked lives. You know, shipwrecked marriages, shipwrecked careers, uh, shipwrecked dreams, all because of pride. I mean, and nobody's exempt. Pastors and teachers, doctors, lawyers, doesn't matter how, how big of a degree you got. Uh, NFL football stars, leaders in our government, doesn't matter. Everyone Everyone's, you know, got this problem. I mean, I'm sure that you could think of somebody that had a shipwrecked life because of their pride ruling over them. So there, there's a description from Proverbs of this, of this disease and, and how it kills you. So what do you think? Do, do you have this disease? Do you have this disease called pride? Do you have the P word? Well, let me me answer it for you. Yes, you do. And in fact, you have it worse than you think. Worse than you think. So we need to move on. There's more to get from Solomon talking about um, pride because we need to be convinced that this is a problem in our life. Pride isn't something that just happens in your heart where it resides. It comes out of us. It comes out of us in different ways. So we can understand the symptoms of our pride. If we don't believe that we got this problem... Then you know, or, or that it's not that bad. Um, we can look at symptoms in our life and go, well, maybe, maybe I do have a problem. Maybe I've got it worse than than I, I think. Proverbs gives people with a pride problem a name. They're called scoffers. Okay, in in Proverbs, um, Proverbs twenty one twenty four says, "Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride." How many of us uh, on our bios, uh, on the website or on Instagram, would just go, yeah, I'm a scoffer? <laughs> none. None of us. I, I don't know that, it's, that anyone ever has put that out there just to say, that's me. I'm a scoffer. But listen to what Proverbs talk, how Proverbs describes scoffers. Scoffers are argumentative people. They disrupt peace. They don't listen to correction. In fact, they respond to correction with abuse, mostly verbal, sometimes even physical. They will stand back and they will make fun. They will find fault with just about everything. They will stand above others and look down. They will hate you or intensely dislike you if you prefer. They will, they will hate you if you're the unfortunate person to say something they disagree with or that, God forbid, corrects them. And all of that, at the root of it, is, is pride. 
pride showing up in their life. Scoffers show you your pride in action. So if you are one who will only ask for help as a last resort, you might be a scoffer. If you are one who has the attitude, you got to prove it to me. For I say, you know, you're right or, or I believe. You might be a scoffer. If you are the one who always seems to know best, if you are the one who gets defensive because you're corrected, if you are the one who doesn't really like to be corrected, if you find yourself making fun of others, you are seeing in your life scoffing. Scoffing. So pride, prideful people are called scoffers. Pride craves attention. Craves it. So it wants to be noticed. It wants to be flattered. It's never satisfied. It cannot get enough attention. If it gets passed over, it gets offended. If it gets treated unjustly, it gets mad. Pride is going to put you in situations that later on you look back and you'll regret every second of it. Pride will have your tongue say things about yourself that when you look back will turn your stomach. Those, those, that swim practice that I think about, stopping that guy, That turns my stomach to think that I did that. Pride will use your own tongue. Solomon knows that. He uh, gives this situation in Proverbs 25, verse 6. It says, Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, Come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. So, When somebody important is around, uh, pride wants to have some of their importance splash off onto itself so that you can look important in the eyes of other people. And so we try to use people in positions of power to increase our own position in the eyes of others when we're around them. And I was thinking, I'm not sure that many of us have a chance to hang out with kings and queens, you know, royalty. Um... I don't even know if we have a chance to hang out with people that we would deem noble. Um, but, you know, Solomon, he was writing to, to, to young men who were going to grow up and be the leaders of Israel. So he was training them to how to, how to act etiquette, to how to act in the, in the court of royalty. And so how do you interact with leaders of other, of other countries? And he's saying, hey, don't grab a seat at their table. You wait to be asked to come and join them. Now, in our world today... It's different, but our pride has been given a huge platform. It's called social media. Did you know that every 10 seconds on Instagram, 1,000 selfies get posted? Every 10 seconds, we're posting pictures of ourselves out to the, for the world to see. You know, the, the, the selfies. And what is, what is happening there is we enjoy the attention that that gives us. But it's, it's never enough. You know, we don't, we don't have to stand around anymore and just, you know, our little circle of friends and, and name drop, which is a, another way that, you know, pride tries to seem important to other people. You know, when we, oh yeah, I was hanging out with Jim Irsay last week and, you know, that's trying to splash it off on, on yourself. 
So we don't have to do that anymore. All we have to do is take a picture of ourselves and post it out there and our pride can get filled up for a second for how many likes we get or, or hearts on our, on our picture. Uh, and better yet, even uh, if we can get a picture of ourselves with somebody important and put that out there, man, we are getting somewhere. I mean, you wouldn't believe who... I ran into one of my oldest friends uh, last week when I was out having dinner. I took a picture and I you know, put it out there on social media. Justin, you can show this one for us. You know, just me and you know, George Clooney <laughs> hanging out. But you know what? It just gets it just gets better than George Clooney. I was over here at Meyer. You would not believe who you could run into at Meyer. You know, I was just walking around the candy aisle and I run into this guy that everybody else knows. You know, and <laughs> maybe maybe that's a little bit how we do it today. You know, lots of us are doing that. Why do we do it? Because our pride wants attention. And it feels good to get it. Our pride also wants applause. Wants applause. We want the praise of other people. So much so that if we don't get it, and somebody else is getting it, we will begin to use our tongue to try to pry it out of people. So they'll say nice things about us. Solomon knew that too. He said, Proverbs 27 too, Let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. I mean, when it happens, you know what's happening. You don't like to hear it from other people and we don't want to, so we don't give it, you know, we don't feed it. So we run away, we run away from them when people do that. So it'd be kind of like, you know, after service here, you know, all you good people come listening to me preach and singing with Pastor Shane and we go back there to the door and you're leaving and have a good day. Hey, wasn't that a great message, man? He, you know, and, and Pastor Shane said, didn't I sing that psalm really, really good? You know, didn't you like that? Wasn't that the best story you've ever heard about the CEO and the wife at the gas station? You know, I mean, doesn't that just make you sick thinking about that? You know, we don't do that, right? We don't, we don't, we aren't that blatant with it. You know, with our pride. Uh, but it happens. It does happen. Uh, uh, we do know better. Uh, so pride's sneaky. So, you know, here's how we do that. We're in a group of people and, you know, somebody's telling a story about their life and our pride gets bothered. And so, you know what? We just come up with a little bit better story. You know, and, and we share that. We just sort of, we one-up, you know, to try to get focus back on ourselves because that's what our pride wants our pride wants applause proverbs 20 25 27 says it is not good to eat much honey nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory here's a homework assignment for you all right go home and find the biggest spoon you can find and then get your honey out and fill that spoon up with all the honey it'll hold and just down it and you will know what it's like to seek your own glory as you gag on the honey. <clears throat> so that's what pride is, and that's what pride does from Proverbs' point of view. And the Bible's got a lot more to say about pride and, and humility, but you know, I, I don't think we need any more. I mean, it isn't, isn't that enough to convince us that lurking within us is this prideful scoffer, and, and we need help. What can we do about it? Well, there's a cure to find. We can find the cure. The antidote to pride is humility. 
Now, you, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't give you any relief because humility is really tricky too. Because when you think I'm going to start working on humility and say, you know, I'm starting to get this humility thing down, you're working against it. You know, it just, it's just the way that it, that it works. So we got to not think about working on humility. What we got to do to find the cure is you, the first thing you got to do is go to the heart doctor. Okay, so uh, pride lurks in the heart. You got to go to the heart doctor. And Jesus is the only one who can change your heart. Only one. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. So he does that when you first believe in him. You know, when you first trust him, you're, you're born again, and you get this new heart that wants to love God and wants to love other people more than anything in your life. Everything changes. Do you know the biggest reason why people don't say yes to Jesus? Pride. Pride is the biggest reason they say no to him. Because see, the good news of the gospel is all good until you find out you can no longer be the master of your own house. I mean, if you think about what the good news of the gospel is, God made us. We sinned against God. We can't fix that because we're sinners. God loved us so much that He sent His only Son who was never a sinner. And He died for us to pay the price so that we could live forever with God. Good news, good news, good news, good news. But then the Bible says to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Do this and you will be saved. You know, so we believe in Jesus. Well, the thing about that is confessing with your mouth is confessing your belief. And there can only be one Lord in your life. I mean, we know God Almighty. There's only one God Almighty. He exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but there's one God. And if you want Him in your life, you want to believe in Him, you want Him in your life, you want His help, then there's only one place that God can take in your life because He is God. And that place is first. But pride wants to be first. And so that's where the rub comes. Pride wants the salvation of the gospel without the Savior of the gospel. And it's just not possible. It's just not possible. <clears throat> so your first and most important step toward finding the cure for pride is to admit that you're sick with it and go to Jesus. See, you don't come to Jesus because you're humble. You come to Jesus because you're prideful. And he said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, he said that the righteous or the sick or the healthy people don't need a doctor. It's the sick people that need a doctor. So if you realize that you're this prideful person and that scoffer should be on your bio, the first and most important step is to run to the heart doctor to get some help, to confess it to him. But see, pride tells you that you are, you know, if you do that, you'll be found out. You won't have any friends left. Yeah, your life will be ruined. You'll lose it all. But the Bible says you've got to lose it all to find it all. Proverbs 29.23 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Jesus said it like this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
So when we humble ourselves, confessing to Jesus, well, I, I can't fix this thing. I can't fix my pride. I, my life's a mess because of my pride. When we confess that, you know, I can't make things right with you, God. I need your solution. I need you. When we do that, he does heart surgery on us. And the past is forgiven and there's help to live for the future. When we do that, life changes. Life becomes different. We leave an old life, we start a new life. It's called repentance. So that's where we start, going to the heart doctor. But you know what? Every single day of your life, you need to go to the heart doctor. We don't start our life with Jesus when the gospel, you know, gospel is not just for the first day of your life with God. It's for every day for your life with God. So there's some other things that you can do. Once you got the new heart, you need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And so that starts with a healthy diet. And it's not spoonfuls of honey. You want to live on a healthy diet of God's loving kindness. Romans 2.4 says the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. The kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. So we got this new heart, but even though we got this new heart, pride is going to revive itself inside of us. And so we want to live with this constant reminder that God did not treat us as our sins deserved. A constant reminder of that. When you, when you do that, it cultivates humility in your heart. When you remember your chains, when you remember how much you've been forgiven in your life, it keeps us in a humble state before God and before other people. You know, all the people that are going to be in hell, all those people are going to be there because they thought they deserved heaven. And the people that are going to be in heaven or people that are going to be there are going to be people that knew they deserved hell. But they called on the name of Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need your salvation. Those are the people that we'll be in heaven with. So you confess your pride to him. You go to the heart doctor, you confess your pride to him. You know, when you do that, he is not going to scold you. He's not. He is, he is not going to make you feel ashamed. He is not going to give you ten steps of penance to get back in the good graces of God. And that's what pride tells you is going to happen. Pride says, look, if you, if you, if you let this out, who you really are, you know, you're, you're, in for a, you're in for some rough times with God. But you know all Jesus is going to do? He's going to reach his hands down because you'll be on your knees before him. And he's going to put his hands underneath your chin. And he's going to lift your head. Because you'll be bowed low. I love that psalm. It says, he is the lifter of my head. He's going to lift your chin. And he's going to look in your eyes. And he's going to say, my child... Your sins, and I know they are many, they are forgiven. Let's go do some life. That's what he's going to do. No 
penance, no discipline, no punishment. Why? Because he already did. He already did it. So we want to live on this daily diet of God's loving kindness. Receiving it again and again. Now there's also some daily exercises that you can do to help strengthen the humility in your heart. I'm just going to share two of them. I'm sure there's more. But the first one is to worship Jesus every day. And I'm not talking about praise songs. I'm talking about lifestyle. Let John the Baptist's words be your inspiration. He must increase and I must decrease. That's the exercise. And you can take that exercise to school or to work or to mire or to lunch or to your neighborhood. He must increase and I must decrease. And you go out there trying to figure out ways to do that. Let Jesus' name become the one that's famous, not my name. Let Jesus get the credit for the good things that I do, not me. So we go out there and we start putting other people. We let other people go first. We pay, pay for somebody's lunch. You know, we serve the people that are around us, that God has placed in our lives. And then if we have an opportunity, if the door opens up, we say, you know what? You're getting this because of Jesus. I'm just a bum. And you'll really believe that. I'm just a beggar in the presence of a king. And he said, go love your neighbor. And so that's what I'm doing. If you want to find out more about why I live this way, you should come with me to church and you'll hear all about Jesus. Or just sit down with me over coffee. And we can talk about it. I'll tell you how kind God is. Because I soak it up every single day. And we think about Christ and his attitude that he had. You know, he did not uh, cling to God as something. You know, he didn't see his godliness or his divinity as something to cling to. But he made himself a servant. Took on our skin all the way to the cross. That's the footsteps that Jesus has left for us. That's living a life of worship right there. And that's the way we're going to be led if we follow him. So God said in Jeremiah uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, this is what the Lord says. Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And Paul, he summarized that in 1 Corinthians 1.31. He said, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, you do that exercise. He must increase and I must decrease. And you will find that your humility gets stronger and stronger in that new heart that God has given you. Second exercise is just to thank Jesus. Just thank him. You know, you start looking at your life and you start seeing all these blessings. You know, count your many blessings. See what God has done. Uh, When you do that and start thanking Him for that, that's going to feed your humility. When you realize that, you know, the brain that God gave, the brain you have, the smarts you have, God made the brain. He gave that brain to you. He didn't give it to anybody else. And when you use that brain and good things happen, guess where those good things really came from? Thank Him. So you thank Him. Thank Him for little things. Thank Him for the food on your table. Now, I know you worked hard to put it there, but thank Him. Thank Him for your job. Thank Him for your provision. 
Thank Him for your house. Thank Him for your car that's broken. Thank Him. Thank Him every single day for everything you can think of. It cultivates humility to thank Him. When you go to bed, thank Him for the good day. Or thank Him that He got you through the bad day. Thank Him. Gratitude. When you feed gratitude, pride has not much to live on. It's just the way that it works in your heart. So, we're not going to be working on being humble. We're going to work on worshiping Christ. We're going to work on thanking Him. We're going to work on remembering our change and His loving kindness. We're going to keep going back to Him again and again and see what He does with our hearts. Let's have our worship team come back up. You know, as I told you here, I've had a rough week. It's been a fight to get here. Um, this whole pride and humility, I mean, as I was studying and looking at it, you know, the words of Jeremiah 17.9 would come up in my heart. The heart is deceitful and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then Paul's words from Romans chapter 7, you know, at the end of Romans 7, he says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will save me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? You know, and he says, Thank God, Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, again, we want to go to the heart doctor. I mean, we know the life that God desires us to live, but we just keep falling short. The gospel is not just for the beginning of life with God, it's for every day in our life with God. We have no hope without the gospel in our life. We have no hope without His mercy and grace coming to us every single day. But you know what? He can forgive everything that happened last week, last month, and He can start you new today as we go forward. He can help you. So what we're going to do is stand together and we're just going to, by our voices together, place our hands, place our hearts in uh, the hands of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we we come to you and uh, thankful for the words of Solomon that uh, speak about uh, pride and the dangers it it uh, brings to our lives. And we uh, can uh, remember that you've you've said that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so today, Lord, as we sing these words, placing ourselves as just No way to do that without confessing that we're prideful scoffers. More than we like to admit it. More than shows up. A lot of it stays under our skin, stays inside. But Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you today, confessing that and saying we want to be like Jesus. We want to be people of life and light. People of love. And so, Lord, we don't want you to just cut dandelion behavior off in our lives today. We want you to go to the root, the root of pride that's lurking in our hearts. Empty us out, Lord, of ourselves and fill us back up with your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for not leaving us or forsaking us. Thank you for your steadfast love who who, uh, follows us all the days of our lives. Fill us up today, Lord, with your Holy Spirit.
we might go out today and, and live a life that resembles your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for that opportunity and a second chance the thousandth time that we that we've needed it. We pray all these things in Jesus' majestic, strong name. We leave in the, His power and strength. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.